Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Richards Rabble podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and support for the show today is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the biggest in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. So join the movement for all your below the waist grooming needs. Uh, and Rangers Rabble listeners can get 20% off plus free shipping on all Manscaped products if you use the code rabble at manscaped.com. That's R-A-B-B-L-E at manscaped.com. All right, so now that I've tried that 17 times and finally got it right, um, I'm joined by William Irwin, Derek McMillan and Rolf Marshall. Gents, hello, thanks for joining me. Good evening. Good evening, eventually. Hello, eventually. <laughs> I know, and we need to get through this quick because William Holman's got more important things to be doing this time. So true. Right, yes. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking, I was sitting here today, Derek, and I'm going, see when there's no Rangers at the weekend, it's a nightmare, isn't it? It's been a long weekend, mate, and it didn't help matters watching somebody else win a cup final today. It was never easy, but uh, I, well, we've only got three more days to wait, so fingers, I'm looking forward to that. I know, I know. But listen, before we come to any football or anything, um, I don't know, Willie, if you've been seen on Twitter and stuff, and listen, it's just rumours, rumours are rumours, but um, obviously Liverpool's form this season hasn't been great compared to obviously previous seasons, and obviously they make that one plus one equals three sometimes, and loads of rumours are Gerard possibly going to Liverpool. So just, listen, we don't know how true it is, it could be a lot of nonsense, but... Do you feel at the end of the season that could be a possibility or do you think Gerard's still got a lot more to prove before he makes that leap down south? I don't think there's anything to it at all, to be honest. It just, you know, Liverpool just going through a bit of a sticky spell, but they've also lost their two main centre-backs for most of the season. So any team's going to miss their two main centre-backs. Liverpool have been on a tough run. Manchester City are playing some of the best football that they've played under Guardiola. So it's just one of those things, but I mean, Klopp's a top, top manager. 
you know, he's won the Japanese League, he's won the Bundesliga, he's won the English Premier League. I mean, you know, we've obviously got a great manager of ourselves in Steven Gerrard, but I think Steven probably will be looking at another couple of years at Rangers before there's even a thought of that happening. And one bad season at Liverpool for Klopp doesn't mean he's a bad manager either and they should be sacking him. So, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that two and two gets to five kind of thing. It's, I don't see anything at it. And I, I certainly see Steven Gerrard being here for another couple of years at least. But that, that's the thing. Well, <laughs> we say that, right? And everybody would have, I'd probably, they would agree that, you know, Klopp's probably had one of the safest jobs in football management simply because of the job that he's done at Liverpool. But football can be a crazy place. It can, but I mean, Klopp's got loads and loads of credit in the bank with Liverpool. I mean, he's won them the Champions League, he's won them the first title in 30 years. So they're not just going to say, well, you know, you've had a, you've had a sticky season, as, as Willie says, without your two centre-backs. I mean, you, I mean, they've been playing Jordan, Jordan Henderson at centre-back. I mean, he's he's, ne- he's never a centre-half. And because they're playing in there, they're missing him in midfield. So he's putting square pegs in round holes because it's all he's got. Because obviously they've realised that their centre-halves are going to come back, so there's no point in going to spend really, really silly money to replace them when, come next season, they're not going to need the replacements because their, their original guy, Van Dijk and whatever else, are going to be back. So I don't see Klopp going anywhere anytime soon. And I think Steven Gerrard will uh, he'll listen to Graham Soonis. And, and Soonis always said he left Rangers too early. And Soonis was a lot more successful than Gerrard has been in his, in his time here so far. Obviously, totally different circumstances. But I mean, as soon as he came out and said, "Look, he's on record as saying he's left Rangers far too early," and he'll also have he'll also look at what happened when uh, Alex Ferguson left Man United. I mean, how long did it take them to get a manager to you know to replace him? And I know Klopp's not been there nearly as long as as Ferguson was at Man United, but he's done mm-hmm. such a good job for them that he's going to be a hell of a, a, a jersey to fill. So I mean I think Gerard will go somewhere else first. I can't see I can't see Stephen Gerard being the next Liverpool manager. Maybe the next but one, but he certainly I don't think he'll be the next one. So he'll have to go somewhere else first, but that won't be for a few years yet. But, but that is the point, Derek, actually. It's something I never thought about until we'll say that. Um is that it's not like Sir Alex, right? Sir Alex was at Manchester United since before I was born, right? Because I'm a lot younger than all of you. Um, but is that really somebody that you want to follow when you're going to your your boyhood club? So I, th- I think if Gerard Gerard's got the confidence in his own ability that he would wouldn't see that as an issue to be honest. But again, it would be very difficult. He's been their most successful manager in the last what thirty odd years, if not longer than that. So I mean, it would be big shoes to fill. But I think Gerard would have confidence in his own ability and his backroom staff. And is it easy to, could you say no to your boyhood club as well, which mm. is obviously a, a big thing. I know uh, all of us would walk over broken glass to manage Rangers no matter what we're doing in our lives, but I, don't, I think Gerard might be the same for Liverpool. I think he will be the next Liverpool manager, but I don't think it'll be this year. I think Klopp will, I think Klopp will keep his job. He deserves to keep his job for the reasons that Will's been mentioning. I think we just need to get used to the fact that Gerard's going to be leaving us and hopefully where Ross Wilson, not, not in the near future, hopefully, but hopefully Ross Wilson, etc., has got a, a plan for the next person because um, Gerard will be the next Liverpool manager, but I just don't think it'll be this season or next season, sorry. Even though, Derek, if they don't make top four? Even though if they don't make top four, I think that 
He's won a Champions League. He's won the first league in 30 years as well. I think he's got a bit of grace there. Liverpool fans are probably a lot more understanding than, than a, a, other clubs down in England as well. They're quite... They love Klopp. You know, they've took him to his heart. I can see them not going for him, um, if that makes sense. Um, as I say, he's brought success back to a club that didn't really have any success domestically for 30 years. So I think he's got a more, little bit more leeway down there, Martin. I think, I think as well, the fact there's no crowd in will, will buy him a bit of time as well because, <laughs> you know, there will be, there's always going to be a vocal minority that will, you know, that will start screaming for his head. But if they're not in the grounds, they can just laugh everything else off as well. It's keyboard warriors having a, trying to give them a hard time on social media and stuff like that. So it's, again, it's a slightly different situation because they're not, in, you know, in the ground giving them grief from the cop or whatever. Not that the majority of the cop would do that, but you'll get, you know, you'll get some. You know, it's like, it's like going, going to Ibrox and, you know, if we're not two two up in ten minutes, there's, there's grumblings from some people. It's a it's a similar yeah. sort of situation, isn't it? No, yeah, but and look, right, okay, you kind of mentioned it there, Derek. Look, he's going to go one day. Every manager goes, um, and probably really isn't a subject you should be talking about when you're kind of weeks away from your league. You're doing really really well in Europe, but when he does go, Derek, um, how big a, a job is it going to be to replace Gerard? Because I would imagine. When he does go, it's not just Gerard that's going, it's that full backroom team that's going well. I think it will be so backroom. It's almost as big a shoes to fill as what it will be filling clops at Liverpool's. You know, the guys turned us round from, from our shambles in the space of three years to hopefully in a couple of weeks winning a monumental league title. So it would be very difficult. And I'd imagine they come as a package. So when Gerard goes, Felix Sessa will follow. Um, but We've, we've lost managers in the past, like Walter Smith and, you know, and even going back, Jock Wallace, etc. We've, we've sold, as soon as again, like Wilf has said, we've, we've soldiered on. We will replace Gerard and we will be successful. We've actually got the structures in place now off the park uh, with Ross Wilson and above, you know, that I'm not as worried as I would have been two years ago or three years ago losing Gerard. So we will replace him. We will move on. And, you know, if he goes to Liverpool, it means he's made us a success. So, He'll go with everyone's best wishes. I just hope it's in a couple of years' time when he's takes out the last 16 in the Champions League or something. And that, that's the big thing, William, I suppose. And also, again, and a lot of a lot gets made of the Scottish League. And you know, if you listen to I don't know, Talk Sport or whatever, I mean there was a there was a conversation on Talk Sport the other night where they were saying, like, forget what he's doing in the league because we're not interested in what he's doing in the league. It's what Rangers are doing in Europe that's getting everybody talking. So would it be fair to say that, you know, Steven Gerrard will want a crack at the Champions League with Rangers? I would expect so. I think that's probably one of the reasons why he came here. Don't have a crack at the Champions League with Rangers. I don't really take much notice about a lot of these English pundits have to say, because no. they think EPL was the best league in the world, and anybody that watched that Man United game earlier on, oh boy, does it because mm. it was horrendous. So, <laughs> you know, like, the EPL gets talking about so much at so many levels and at times under certain managers and with certain teams it's exceptional but a lot of the time like when the top four the top six meet it's never usually that great a game and that's just the honest reality of it Sky pay a lot of money to show it BT show a lot of games as well now I think like Amazon have bought packages and that's off the back of how well they sell the product but the product on the part probably doesn't add up to the money they actually get and the standard of players, you know, the slag Scottish football rotten at times about the standard this and the standard that. But I'll tell you something, see if we get through past Slavia and we draw one of the English teams, I genuinely wouldn't have any fear about playing them, you know. 
And I think that probably says more about us right now and where we are under Steven Gerrard than anything else. You think it has to be a big name? Well, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll give a bit of context to that question. Obviously, we brought in Gerard at a time and we weren't exactly in the best of shakes, but it was the name Gerard that we brought in. So see our next manager. And by the way, I have to say for people listening, the only reason that we're talking about this is because there was no football at the weekend and we've got nothing else to talk <laughs> about. So um, see that the next manager that we bring in, does it have to be somebody, maybe not quite, but it's similar um, hype and name as Gerard, but somebody close? Or can we go for a tried and an untested manager? I think it has to be a manager with a bit of, a bit of experience and a, a bit of a reputation in the game. I mean, I don't doubt for a second some of the players that, that we've brought in have come in because it's Steven Gerrard. You know, I mean, you go back, guys like, even, I mean, even guys like Jordan Ross, I know Jordan Ross didn't work out because it was injuries and stuff. The only reason he came to us was because who the manager was. You know, and there's lots and lots of other players in the same boat because he's, he's a big name. Then they get to the club and they realise how big the club is mm-hmm. and we know what happens after that. You know, but I mean, going back to the the point about you know who's going to replace him, I don't doubt for a second that Ross Wilson's got a shortlist. He'll he'll know in his head, you know, he'll think, right, okay, he'll have a list say, right, if, if a manager goes in a year, here's my shortlist. If he goes in two years, here's what I'm looking at. And that'll be changing all the time. You know, I mean, they say that he's got, he's got shortlists of dozens and dozens of players for every position. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that he's got a short list of names for prospective new new management teams. You know, with projecting how far forward it might. He might say, "Okay, if Gerard goes next year, this is who we're going to approach." Mm-hmm. But in two years' time, this guy here will keep an eye on him. He might be quite good. Yeah. You know, because he's he's he's, he's he's projecting himself up. I don't. So I've got I've got no. No qualms that will, that will be able to replace him um, successfully and very, very quickly after he goes. But Stephen, Stephen Gerrard came. He's not going anywhere out. anytime soon. Sorry, Wolf. Stephen Gerrard came. He was a novice manager, right? Mm-hmm. We can't get away from that. He's done a remarkable job. But we were in a place where we could not attract big names, in my opinion. Now, Gerrard's a big name, not a big manager. But if the way we are now, we would not have a problem attracting decent managers who have had decent careers. Rangers the product is much better Rangers on the park is much better we're successful we've got these structures in place that Will's been talking about we're the director of football we are now almost you know attractive for, for most of these uh, managers now so I don't think we'll have an issue we had to go down the novice route with Gerard in my opinion it's worked massively and now we're a better product for managers that want to come, come and manage hopefully in a couple of years Yeah I think one of the interesting bits about that is I was actually listening to a podcast recently and it was the Peterborough chairman, Dara McAnthony, was talking. And now his team's sitting top of League One in England. They're on the verge of getting to the English Championship. And on the podcast, he was asked, do you keep an eye on all our managers, even though your manager's got you top of League One? And he'd say, yeah. He said, it's, he said, it's a constant thing. He says, I thought was to come in tomorrow and offer me compensation to take my manager and he goes to the Championship. I've got to have somebody waiting to come in. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about how he's watching guys in League One League two, all their managers, how they speak, how they come across, what type of football they play, how that brand suits Peter Bristow. And I think that's what Derek's meaning by that kind of manager. Like, so we play a certain style of football now, so we don't want to bring in a manager who's maybe going to change it up too much because the team is suited to how it plays now. Mm-hmm. Ross Wilson has an idea of what players fit into this system. Don't get me wrong, managers will tweak it a wee bit, but 
we would want to bring in another manager that plays football in a certain manner because that's how we now play the game and that's how our team is set up. And I think it's just a normal thing that clubs are always looking at, you know, the next right back, the next left back, the next manager. It's just how things have to work. It's a business. If somebody comes in tomorrow and puts money on the table to take Steven Gerrard and his backroom staff, like what happened to Brendan Rodgers at Celtic, I mean, Ross Wilson's probably got a handful of people sitting going, right, OK, that's who we're going to go after. We're going to interview them. You know, We're going to get that backroom staff and we're going to bring this person, this person. And that's how it works. But I agree with the other guys. I still think that's several years away at the moment. But as a football club, yeah, you've always got to make sure that you've got people in your mind for when something does happen. Because eventually it will happen, even though we don't want it to. No, that's actually a really good point. And Derek, that kind of brings it more on to uh, Ross Wilson. And when we first uh, employed uh, Ross, there was obviously a big talk about how good he was at his job. He was doing fantastic things down at at Southampton. So it's going to be a real test for him, I suppose, to once Gerard does go. And I say once because I agree with Willie, a couple of years down the line, we're not panicking yet. Just a conversation about the future in case anybody's listening going, don't talk about Gerard going. (laughs) <laughs> um, it's going to be a real big test of, of his metal and, and, and what he does and who, who he brings in because it's not just going to be like we say Gerard. it's going to be Gerard plus a full backroom team Yeah, I mean I'm not sure exactly the chronological timeline he was at Southampton but he's had to do it there they lost managers periodically uh, over the last 10 years to, to other teams and a bigger thing sometimes as well so it's part of his remit, you know. His re- part of remit is to make sure that we keep ticking over. And as well said, I'd be shocked if he's not got a couple of lists as handy. Because if Liverpool come in tomorrow and offered X amount that we couldn't turn turn it, knock it back, you know, you need to be prepared. As it William said about Peter Brad Chairman, so he, he will need to earn his money. There's no doubt about it. But we're coming at it from a hopefully a couple of years time when the club's even more settled. We've got even more sponsorship deals. We've got even more money through. Champions League, etc., will actually be coming at it from a very good place. Although it'll be a difficult job, all these hard work that he's doing now will hopefully make it easier to attract a manager that's suitable to Rangers. Right, and I'm going to just end this this conversation now, Wolf, just by asking about one guy and one guy only. Um, and this is hypothetical. We're just having a. I need to keep repeating myself because I know there's people listening going, "Oh, you're talking nonsense." Um, well, so so say in two years' time, Gerrard's won the Champions League for Rangers. <laughs> One when's his, when's his third league in a row and off he goes to Liverpool um, with all our best wishes what do you think would be the chances of um, agreeing to give us Michael Beal? No I think when, when they go they all go, they all go as a package uh, I mean the, the manager said in a, in a podcast that it was either Jamie Carragher's or Robbie Fowler's that he'd been while he was still at Liverpool he'd been quietly sorting out a, a backroom staff to go with him when he eventually left to take up a manager's job on his own. Now, he wasn't doing that just for his first step in management. He was doing that because they're all going to go with him. Yeah. And we will miss them. But again, Ross Wilson will be well aware that when, when Mr. Gerrard goes, they all go. And he'll have that succession plan in place as well. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if in the, the coming season, we, we bring in two or, three, two or three coaches to work alongside them. Mm. You know, just to just to, to get a feel for the place. And, you know, because, I mean, Gerard's not, not stupid. He knows that there's going to have to be a succession planning for when he goes because he's not he's not going to be there for 25 years. We all know that and he knows that. So I don't I don't think he'd be, he'd be against, you know, 
say Alan McGregor retires and say, right, we're wanting to stay on in the coaching staff, he'd be okay with that because he knows the similar Steve Davis, things like that, you know, because he knows there's got to be a succession plan to keep things on an even keel because it, it'll help his reputation if he can, as you say, win as the Champions League, win as three titles in a row, go to Liverpool and then we carry on with that. That'll, that'll do his reputation the world of good. Whereas if he leaves and then we fall off a cliff, that'll not say really a lot for anything that he's built. In my brain, Willie, I'm just going, Michael Beale's going to just fall in love with Rangers, fall in love with Glasgow and go to Gerrard. I'm just going to stay here and become the manager. Look, I think it's interesting. I absolutely love listening to Michael Beale. I've listened to quite a few of his podcasts prior to coming to Rangers. Um, he's clearly a very a very smart football guy. You know, you listen to him tactically. You know, even that first season when when the coaching staff came in and we kept getting players sent off and then we were putting two players up front and you're sitting going, why are we going to up front? But then, like, you actually listen to his podcast a couple of weeks later where he's talking about how you've got to keep the pressure on the opposition and how you've got to try and get the ball up the park so that you're not having as much work defensively. And as a football person, you maybe are thinking, oh, like, we should be dropping deeper here because we're winning the game. We just want to see it out. But that isn't his idea. His idea is to get in the front foot and stay there because then there's not as much pressure on the defence to deal with it. And I think it's interesting listening to him and he's clearly a a great mind that works very well within that backroom staff, but yeah, look, I think they come as a package and they go as a package. But it's interesting me, Billy's done a lot of interesting things as well. Like you know, he's coached in Brazil, and there's probably not that many English guys who have went to Brazil and coached. He's clearly somebody that isn't afraid to do something different. But I think for a lot of these guys, you know, sort of Liverpool is the dream job for them all. Mm-hmm. And if they, they all get back and work together at that club, that would be probably the number one aim for all of them, I would imagine. Aye, aye. Hey, well, we joked about winning the Champions League there. Um, so I'd, I'd like to have a wee discussion, if you don't mind, Derek, about the Europa League. Now, obviously, we've, we've, we've had the discussion about Slavia, so we're not going to go back over that. But in your, if you can try and take off those massive blue-tinted specs that you always seem to wear so much, what is the chances, do you think, of us winning the Europa League this year? Um, pretty slim if I'm being honest but I honestly think we can get through this round I've got every confidence we can get into the last eight and there's a couple of big teams that have got each other you know it's it can open up pretty quickly we've seen a few short results in the, the round of 32 but we need a massive massive bit of luck the good thing is that hopefully the league will be done in the next couple of weeks and it's our only focus so we can put everything we've got there's maybe f- five or six teams ahead of us in the Europa League. That is me using my massive blue-tinted specs, but maybe five or six teams, maybe four or five that I definitely wouldn't want to play and I would fancy them to go and win the thing. But then the next group, I say we're in that. No one will want to play us. We're very hard to play against. We've got a great style in Europe. We keep the ball, we pop it about. Loads of rotations, dead hard to play against. Hard to work out as well. I don't think we've got much of a chance of winning it. But see now we're in the last 16. I want to get the quarter-final and then I suppose it's a luck of the draw after that. Well, be yourself, Wolf. Can we win it? We can win it because we're still in it, but I don't think we will. Well, if you're in it, you can still win it, but I don't think we will. I'm, I'm the same as Derek. I, I think we've got, we've got a fairly decent chance of getting into the into the quarter-finals. Now, once you get the quarter-finals, there's, there's seven other teams and any one of the eight teams in it can win it. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, two thousand and eight when we got when we got to the 
the last 16, we thought, well, we're not, get, we're not going to get to Manchester. There's, there's no way we were going to Manchester. And before we knew where we were, we were in the UEFA Cup final. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you just never, ever know. You know, the favour, favourable draw, a bit of luck on the night. Some of these ridiculous refereeing decisions going your way. You just <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. But honestly, I don't think I don't think we'll win it. But we're more than capable of winning it. We're, we're certainly good enough to win it if we get a bit of luck along the way. I know, do you know, I've never watched that 2008 for Cup final back. But what springs to my memory is I think Nacho had a great chance that he should have buried and made it one each. See, um, right, before, right before half time, we had a free kick, if I remember correctly, and we hit the wall with it. I can't remember who had it. It might have been Kevin Thompson, actually. I remember after that, just blacking out. I can't really, I was sober, but I can't remember the rest of the games because I've really removed it from my memory. But we kind of blew it that night. But you've just put me to a dark place there, Martin. Cheers for that, mate. <laughs> I was in Manchester. I was steaming. I can't remember. I ended up getting a taxi <laughs> to Blackpool. But listen, we'll leave the. The, the Euro away stories for a, a special podcast with Will from the season ends. Um, well, it, it just strikes me, Will, though, that this Rangers team, I look, there's teams that are better than us. Leverkusen proved that, obviously, at the start of the season or whatever. But this Rangers team, to me, just seems built for Europe. Yeah, look, I mean, you could argue that we beat bigger clubs so far this season. To beat Galatasaray, I mean, they're probably deemed to be a bigger club than Rangers, if you ask a lot of people. No Rangers fans, obviously, but we've <laughs> uh, probably seen that Galatasaray are a bigger team. Benfica have shown over the years they're a terrific team in Europe. They're probably deemed to be bigger. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think Gerard worries about who we play against. You mm-hmm. know, we rolled up even in that first season and made some really tough tests. Even like some of the qualifying games over the last couple of years, like drawing like Michelin drawing Maribor, I mean, they were in the Champions League, these teams, you know, they weren't exactly mugs. Uh, Ossiek were clearly a very good team. Um, even going to UFA, which was like the fullest ones of Europe, I mean, that was so far, it was ridiculous, you know, and then, you know, the, the group stage, like Villarreal away, getting a draw, I don't think anybody anticipated is getting that kind of result. We got a great draw in Porto, we beat Porto at Ibrox with the two great draws against Benfica. So I don't, I genuinely don't think the manager cares. I don't think it would worry him if we were to draw like AS Roma or whatever in the next round. I think we would just continue to play the way we play and if we get put out because of it, then so be it. Mm. I think, as we spoke about in the last pod, financially, these games, you know, the group stages and knockout phases, it's huge. I mean, that last round was about just over a million pounds, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's another million plus pounds. I mean, that's money that the manager might potentially get in his transfer budget next year to add that little extra bit of quality. And look, I'm buzzing. I love to be playing Europe. It's, it's some of the most exciting games that I remember in my mind over the years growing up as a young kid, sitting in the house with my dad, watching us play Leeds United. Everybody had written Rangers off saying we were, we were shit, that Leeds were the best team in Britain, that we were going to do this, that, and the next thing. Before we know it, you know we beat them at Ibrox and then beat them at Ellen Road when they Cantona and so I never worry about who we play against I've always got that belief in my mind that we're good enough to do it it doesn't matter how big the team are or you know whatever it is if it's the Champions League or the Europa League I always have belief that we can do it can we win it? of course we can but yeah like you do need a little bit of luck along the way like we did to get to Manchester it would be great to get to Gdansk you 
It just kind of feels a little bit different, Derek, for the sake of like 2008. And I, I heard somebody say this. I don't even know if it was on one of our podcasts or another podcast. I listened to that many. Um, but <laughs> that, that team in 2008 was a defensive Rangers team. Most Rangers teams in Europe, I suppose, were very defensive. But it's just the way that we set up for Europe. Do you think that, obviously, it's no surprise that Steven Gerrard's doing really well in Europe. Look what he done with Liverpool. So do you think it's the way that Steven Gerrard does and the confidence he exudes, that goes into the players and they don't actually fear who they play? No, definitely. I think it's called Gerrard's gave them the confidence in their own abilities. We, Walter Smith's team almost gave up possession and said, right, come and, come and beat us. We're dominating the ball in these games now. We're going to Benfica's back back garden and we're keeping the ball off them. Now, these are really, really good teams. And while, while you mentioned the Porto game, we totally hammered them at Ibrooks. You know, we, we, they hardly got a kick. And that's the difference for me now. And that's why I feel, I mean, if you'd asked me uh, in 2008, if we'd have got to the final at the last 16 stage, I would have said no, 100% no. But this time I'm thinking, you know what, if we get through this one and we got a decent draw in the quarterfinals, I fancy us. And that's testament to Gerard's team. The possession style football that he plays, the high press up the park with the three strikers, uh, almost three strikers, the fullbacks pressing on. It's just, it's a European team that's playing in the Scottish League. You know, and you think about talk sport you mentioned, that is getting us noticed. And it, mm-hmm. people know football and I, I tend to do it. I don't mind English punditry because everything that comes up with Rangers I follow and I'll, I'll read it. And people are speaking very highly of us and that's not because we beat Ross County 5-0 or we We've only lost, uh, we've only drew four games out of uh, 30 odd in the league. It's about how we're playing in Europe, and I've mm-hmm. never been proud of it as a Rangers fan to go into these teams' back gardens and dominate them. And that's what we're doing, and it's absolutely great to see. But Gerard has caused that. He's gave them confidence, he's gave them a structure, he's gave them a pattern of play that they can go and implement. And it's it's brilliant to watch. I mean, I've never been happier sitting down on a Thursday night and watching us in Europe. It's a joy, you know, <laughs> even though the last couple have been head and hand stuff at times, it's still a joy to watch. You're off your seat. I think I think what's what's helped from that, you know, what's helped us be so good in Europe so quickly is the fact that Steven Gerrard knew European football before he knew Scottish football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's used to European football. He played in it. He'd never played in Scotland. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't really appreciate that in Scot in Scotland as Rangers manager, you don't have to defend particularly well because nobody attacks you. You know, very few people attack you, particularly when you come to Ibrox but he knows how European football works because it's noticeable that even from the, from the minute he got in the door, we did, we did okay in Europe. You know, and, it, and we, we struggled a bit in Scotland. We, we dropped some stupid points and lost some daft games because it took him a while to get a grip of, you know, what Scottish football is all about. But he knew what Europe was and all he's done is built, built on it, built on it, built on it and made sure that the, the structure he's got works in Scotland. That's, that's definitely, I think to me, that's definitely helped as well. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me like in my time watching Rangers was it was when Advocate came in and his mentality was just, well, we're not going to play Monaco and sitting back. We're going to go and have a serious go at this team. And you're sitting going, no, we don't normally do that to top three. We'll sit in and we'll counter-attack. Advocate rolled up and I think he played like two guys a sweeper. <laughs> I've never seen a sweeper for Rangers in about 20 years. And then, like, obviously, Van Bronckhurst scores a steamer from, like, 70 yards. And, you know, when we went to Leverkusen and beat them in Germany. And, I mean, that wasn't really something that you really seen under Rangers teams, particularly we weren't really that aggressive away from home in Europe. But Advocate changed that mentality. And Gerrard's of a similar note that it doesn't matter if it's 
you know, a team for the Faroe Islands were playing away from home or it's a top German team, we'll still have a go. It might not necessarily work the same way for both games, but we'll still have a go. Leverkusen last season were exceptional. They were a team probably at their peak. I mean, this season they've drifted a bit, but that's what happens when you tell like two of your best players and it takes time. Whereas we've gradually got better over the last three years and we now look as strong as we have in Europe for a long time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just, just finally on this end, before we move on to the Livingston preview, which for anybody listening, a wee bit of background, I wanted Derek to host tonight because I'm terrible at hosting previews, but he shot out it. So, anyways, um, Derek, <laughs> do you think in his heart of hearts, Gerard, he'd obviously never say publicly that we couldn't win it, but do you think in Gerard's heart of hearts, he really does believe that Rangers can go on and win this competition? I think he believes that we can go on every game and win it. So in essence, I he does. I think he does believe that we can get to the the cup final. I think that I think that he'll fancy against Slavia. I think you'll you'll see enough in them that we can, if we play a hundred percent, we can beat them. And then he'll just take it game by game, like he always does. Um, but I think they won't say it in the press as you say. But I think in when they're having their coaches meeting and they, and they're breaking the games down, I think they might think they've got a wee chance and. Fair play to them because that confidence will go into the team and we go into the pitch a week on Thursday and we go and try and try and take it to Slavia Prague just like we've done to Benfica and all the teams that have uh, felt the sword before it. So I'm, I'm really, really excited for it and I'm sure they are too and I'm sure they're confident we can get there. Uh, and do you think, well, actually, just before I go, I always do this. I say we're going to move on and then I think of something <laughs> else. Um, 30, 30, is it 30 games going in the league? Correct me if I'm yeah. wrong. 30 games, so eight games to go. Is this unbeaten run, do you think, Well, Is that important to Gerard? do you think? I don't think it's as important to the manager as it is to some of the supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if you're giving me the unbeaten run and the run to, say, the semi-finals of the Europa League, I'll take both, thanks very much. Mm-hmm. But if you're offering me a couple of league defeats and a trip to Gdansk, I'll take the league defeats and you know get get as far as we can in Europe because the unbeaten run in the league looks good looks good on paper but it, it really isn't that it really isn't that important. I mean again if if bleed, if bleeding in a few young players and mixing the squad up and keeping players fresh for, for Europe or whatever is good is going to lead to a couple of defeats after the after the league's won. It doesn't matter. They're only not matters because you never want to see Rangers get beat, but they're only glorified friendlies because once the league's won, the league's won, and and that's it. You go along with that, William, because I kind of agree with that. Look, if you were saying to me, if we get past Slavia, um, <clears throat> and obviously the one you don't want to lose is against them. Obviously, you want to always win them. But if you get past Slavia and you're coming up to the next big European tie, and Gerard says, right, well, I mean, we've got three or four games to go, so. If I rest him, 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 him and him for the European game, it might cause us to slip up, blah, blah, blah. Where would your preference lie in Europe? Once the league's won, I think, for most supporters this season, don't get me wrong, it'll be nice to go undefeated, but, you know, once the game comes around, the league title's won, I'm not really so sure the league will be that important afterwards. So I think it's more, if we can, as Walsh says, if we can get by Slavia and get to the last eight and maybe then get another decent draw, to potentially get to a semi-finals of a European competition would be unbelievable, in all honesty. You know, we were a team that got knocked out of Europe three years ago by a pretty ordinary team for Luxembourg, so to all of a sudden be knocking on the door of 
the semi-finals or the finals of the Europa League would be something pretty special. And for me, yeah, look, it'd be nice to be undefeated in the league, but I don't see it as a be-all and end-all, personally. Yeah, no, nah, I can't agree with that as well. Um, right, okay, we'll finish off then with a Livingston preview, Derek, and I'm going to take your advice. You told me what to do. How do you see the game going? So first of all, all I'm doing here is not speaking. I've actually gave you bullet points to cover, so it's pretty much me presenting through your voice. So Obviously, though, Derek, um, in all seriousness, Livingston played today, obviously, in the cup final, get beat. The last few games they've played in the league, they haven't looked too sharp. So there was all, all this talk, you know, they were going through their unbeaten run, they were looking okay, as far as I could, I never really watched their games, but they were looking okay. But is it now possibly going to be less of a challenge, I suppose, on Wednesday? So, I don't care who we're playing Wednesday. We need seven points to win this league. I don't care if it was Celtic away on Wednesday night. I'd be expecting us to go and win. Now, Livingston had a great run, but they're, they're an average team, if I'm being very perfectly honest with you. David Mart- uh, Martindale got a tune out of a group of average players and, and fair play to him. I don't think it makes too much difference to the result today. As I said, it's all about us on Wednesday night. But yeah, I think they'll be a bit deflated. We've got to go there and start well and just take any hope that they've got away from them. You could say the pitch and all that, but we'd actually get not a bad. We've actually not got a great record this season. Obviously, they're very. They've took a point off us, which only three other teams have done. But again, Martin, I don't care who we're playing on Wednesday night. We need seven more points and go and take the game to them. Oh, please don't mention seven more points. Look, I want to keep my eyes dry. Right, don't start all <laughs> that nonsense. Uh, well, Derek mentioned it there. The pitch. We mention it every time we go to play one of these bloody games. Um, but their pitch does seem to be one of the worst, I think. Yeah, it's horrific. Yeah, they, they, say, it, they say it is the worst and it is a horrific pitch, but we can't use the pitch as an excuse. We've won no. on it before. Okay, we, we didn't win on it the last time. But, I mean, to, to echo what Derek said, we're seven points away for the title. Stop it. You know, basically, we might, we might not even need seven points. I mean, if we can win on Wednesday and then move on to St Myrtle next Saturday and win next Saturday... I, I, I actually think we'll get handed the title next Sunday night. I think we'll be sitting here, well, we won't be doing a pod next Sunday because nobody will be able to speak. <laughs> because I can see, I can see that, that mob, I think they go to the Tyrone I can see them not, not winning. And whether, whether, I mean, I've heard a few conspiracy theorists saying that they'll chuck it so we don't go to their place to win the league. You know, and I don't care. I mean, we need we need seven points. I don't care how we get the seven points. If it means we, we win the two games, then they drop points, that's fine, that works for me. But the whole thing with, with Livingston on Wednesday night, as Derek says, it doesn't matter who we're playing. We don't need to, we need to concentrate on what we do. We don't need to concentrate on the pitch or on Livingston or the fact that they've just lost a cup final or any of that stuff. We just need to go out there, play our game, get the, get the result and move on to next Saturday. I'm slightly conflicted with all that, by the way, because I don't know. I want John Kennedy to be their next manager. I'm not going to lie to you, gentlemen, right? I would love John Kennedy to be their next manager. But in order for him to be their next manager, they need to do no bad towards the end of the season. You know what I mean? So apart from when they play us, if they want to play all right and get some points and appoint John Kennedy, then fucking fire in. Um, <laughs> well, William... Is it going to be quite good for the players, I suppose, in a way that they've had a week off, they've all had a week's rest, so they're going to be re-energised? And does that kind of give us more of an advantage, if you like, or does it not really matter? Yeah, I mean, it's rare for us to be the team that's got the extra time off. It's usually always mm. up around when we play teams. So, 
you know, I'm sure the players probably got a couple of days off after European game back in, get themselves ready and going. I mean, I tend to agree with the two guys. I think if we can beat Livingston and beat St. Martin, that's it all but over. You know, I don't, I don't even know if we need seven points realistically. Six points in the goal difference we've got is basically that hit. You know, the you got the Celtic Park as champions would be great. Just like winning it there would be great. I just want to see you win it. You know, that's all that really matters now. It's just, it's like the final countdown. Um, and it's probably a wee bit more nervous. You know, the closer you get, you always get a wee bit more nervous because you just want to get the games over and done with. Do you want to score in the first minute, then score in the fifth minute, then score in the ninth minute, so it's 3 nothing after 10, and you can enjoy the rest of the game? But it's 1-0 and you're thinking, oh, here we go. It's just, you know, but it's great. I mean, it's a great feeling after all these years of having to kind of sit and watch while we've been finishing, you know, third a couple of times, playing in the Championship, League 1, League 2. It's a great feeling to know that we're so close to where we want to be again, and that's all that really matters, isn't it? Oh yeah, it is. It is. And so, so Derek, obviously you're saying it doesn't matter about whoever it is we're playing. It's all about the Rangers. So how how do Rangers play? How do we turn up? What formation do we go with? Do we change anything at all for going to a, a smaller plastic pitch? Yeah, no, we don't. I think we'll play a bit more narrow with the kind of inverted tens that we kind of like to do. I don't see it being obviously with. Well, I don't know what's going to happen with Patterson, etc. But we might play a wee bit more narrow because Balogun might be right back but mm-hmm. we just go and play a normal game we play on the front foot we, Morelos, how he's playing, having six days rest again, it's just going to be terrifying for Livingston's defenders who have had a tough slog today um, so they'll they'll be off tomorrow, I'd imagine not any training to Tuesday to play us on the Wednesday, so hopefully um, they'll feel the, we'll feel the benefits of that I just think that we should find that extra 10% from somewhere they should just blow them away. But in terms of team selection and formation, I don't see us changing, maybe playing a bit more narrow, a wee bit more through the centre and moving the ball quick against Livingston because uh, they are quite decent at defending their box, etc. So we've got to make sure we're moving the ball, moving the players, and I don't think they'll cope with us. We're far too fast and far too fit, hopefully, for Livingston to cope with on Wednesday night. So just a case then, Will, for starting the way we started against Antwerp then we need to be closing them down quick we need to be in their faces and we need to be quick going up front because we've seen a few times before that Antwerp game this season that we've started pretty slow and we've found it difficult to kind of maybe get our way into the game and it's took us until kind of midway through the second half to find the gear Yeah, I mean anybody that listens to, us, listens to me regularly on here although that I'm, I'm very, very big on moving the ball quickly through the middle of the park and that's what we need to do just get the ball move, move it quick let them have to let the, let their defenders have to turn, get in behind them. Let them let them have to have to turn, and we'll, we'll make loads and I think we'll make loads and loads of chances. And as Derek says, Morelos after six days off, he's going to be frightening. He's going mm-hmm. to be absolutely frightening. And just as I said earlier, just worry worry about our game. Just play our game, move the ball about quickly, just pass it about as quickly as we can. Uh, accurate passing. The last a few that a few that. The recent games we have started really, really slowly, but but there's no excuse for starting slowly this time. Just get it done, get get it all put to bed, and then we can concentrate on Saturday and turn the seven turn the seven points into four points. Do you know? I think one of the biggest stories this season to come out of this podcast is going to be Wolf's internet, isn't it? It's going to be that we could do a podcast on his internet on our own. You know, <laughs> we'll not be perfect at the time. 
You know the worst thing they try to do is try to guess when he's going to stop speaking, Martin. I find that really hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Like you, oh, think he's, oh, you think he's hey. stopping his throws and then he's back in. Um, uh, well, right, so I've not heard anything about Patterson yet with regards to a ban or anything like that. Um, so unless I've been living under a rock, the SFE or the SPFL haven't mentioned anything. So if nothing comes out by Wednesday, which let's be fair, it probably will, but if it doesn't, does Patterson start? Yes. I think purely because he's the most natural right back we've got. But that's no offence to Balligan. I mean, like, the only way you would you would start Balligan is depending on how physical Livingston are going to be. They are very direct, so that might be a reason why the manager might play Balligan because he's that extra bit of physicality, that extra bit of height. If he's wanting to have his two fullbacks to be aggressive going forward, then Nathan's the obvious choice. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pick the manager's team because we've tried to do that a couple of times. <laughs> I think all three or four years have spoken absolute shit, really. So, yeah, we'll probably know pick the team. But, yeah, well, if the manager's looking for an attack-minded pullback, it's Nathan. If he's looking for more structure and like, a more defensive kind of line because of how Livingston play in a more direct manner, then Balligan obviously starts. But if that's the only worry the manager's got to pick, in that first 11, it's not a bad headache, really. You know, he's obviously got Itten available. Um, I think, obviously, Defoe's back again. Um, you know, Hadji's good to go. Kent's good to go. Aribo, Kamara, etc. So we're still pretty strong. It would be great to have everybody available. You know, Roof and Ryan Jack and Tav. But overall, this season, we've been pretty fortunate. We've really not had that many bad injuries. And if we're only missing these guys for potentially another two games and they're all good to go for the Slavia doubleheader, then I'm pretty content with that, knowing that we're strong enough to get through the games. Eric, I'll come to you in two seconds. Well, did I see you shaking your head no there at that question? Yeah, she did. I don't, I don't think I don't think we'll see Nathan Patterson anywhere near the team. I, there's just, I don't know. I mean, they haven't come, the, the authorities haven't come out and said what's happening. But, I mean, Rangers have been very, very big on, they've been in discussions with the SFA, the league, the government, everybody they have to be in discussions with. It wouldn't surprise me if they said, look, until you come to a decision, we won't, we won't play them domestically, but we're playing them in Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. That's just just a gut feeling that I've got. But the, but the, but I would, if, if they have agreed that, then I would expect any band that they get to be backdated to when it started, so they'll already have served the game, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they can't come to a decision already. Sorry, the only difference to that is that Dapo come off the bench at the weekend for Queen of the South. Oh, does he? Dapo's meant to be one of the five. He's obviously named. So yeah. if Dapo's come off the bench for Queen of the South, that would suggest oh, that has been agreed yet. But look, right. we're talking about the SAP here. I mean, something could happen on Tuesday night or something could happen on Wednesday afternoon. So yeah. the question would be, like, if Nathan's available to play, does he start because the manager wants an aggressive fullback? Yes. If he wants a defensive mind, you feel back who's going to do the defensive work, it's Balligan. But yeah, anything could happen over the next three days that changes that. And we'll need to wait and see what happens prior to the match. But I don't think the manager would be worried about starting there for if he had to. Because when you bring a guy on like that at the start of the second half in a big match against Antwerp, I think it shows you that he's got the faith in him to play him if he's not obviously banned by that point. It'll be yourself, Derek. <laughs> I would, I would play Patterson if he's eligible. Doesn't matter um, about the physicality of the game. I thought we just looked a much better unit on Thursday night when he came on. 
Uh, no, again, no harm to Balogun. I'd actually probably think about playing Balogun centre half um, and with um, Golton if Patterson's playing, just for a bit of pace at uh, the back and Hollander had a bit of a stinker there. Um, the last season was it, so I'd probably play Balogun, but I don't know. And you're saying about the SFA there, I mean, I don't understand why they couldn't have came a decision already. You know, it's it's a joke. It's, it's came on, and that Dapple coming on and started, he's just made an absolute mockery of. Of what's going on? I, I didn't know that, William. Uh, I was kind of shocked when you see. To be fair, Derek. See, see, to be fair, Peter Law was really busy at the moment. Ah, uh, he's <laughs> doing his handover and that, isn't he? Yeah, you know what I mean. That's surrendering what... handover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another player, I suppose, uh, Wolf, who there might be questions about, and I, I don't know. My mind's actually went blank as to whether he's fit again or not. Ryan Jack, if Ryan Jack is fit for Wednesday. With that kind of pitch, do you see the gaffer leaving him out or do you see him on the bench or do you see him starting? I don't think he'll start. If he is available, and I don't know if he is, I would expect to see him on the bench. But I can't I can't see him starting, not, not on that pitch. I mean, he might he might give him minutes if the game's been put away quite early. But I can't I can't see him looking at Ryan Jack to do maybe an hour or an hour and a half on, on that. I don't think you'll see Jack to the Slavia Prague game. I don't think. I think the is that how long he's out for, Derek? Manager yeah. already said it'd be a couple of weeks, right. so he might be pushing it for the first leg and maybe back first, first the next second leg. Sorry, the second leg's the next game. So hopefully for the first leg, maybe for the second. Right. So Derek, and if Jack's obviously still out injured, who's your midfield three? Kamara Davis and Arfield for me, with Aribo just a bit further on. Uh, I think Scott Arfield gives us that extra dynamic against the the convoluted, stuffy, horrible defences we play against. He gets mm. into pockets of space from deep that no one seems to be able to pick up. So I see him to be really key. So I'd play the three in midfield in uh, Elmay's night. You go along with that, William? Yeah. I mean, I would have Scott in my midfield most games, to be honest, just because of the runs he makes from middle to front. Um I think it's always tough. The front three for me is always the most difficult to pick because I do think Aribo's at his best higher up the pitch. But then it's hard to argue with Hygiene, Kent and Morelos. If Roof's fit, I like to pick Roof. So I'm just glad I'm not the manager, to be honest. (laughs) I have real difficulties picking that front three. And, you know, this is the first time in a long time we've had these kind of discussions about... Because basically in the past, we used to have, like... Candias and Morelos and Kent, that was it. That was basically the three guys that, that started for a long period. And then now we've actually got like six, maybe seven players that we can pick. I mean, Scott Wright comes into the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time he's come off the bench, he's made an impression. I thought his impression against Antwerp was excellent. You know, he's driving at the defenders. You know, he wins the penalty. I really like him. I hadn't seen a huge amount of him before he'd signed, to be honest. But I really like what I've seen so far. I know it's only a very small amount, but it just reminds me of a player like a kind of younger version of Ryan Kent when he first came in. That kind of, I don't know what you would say, I, mean, I don't know what the right word is. It can be a wee bit kind of up and down at times, but when he's good, he's going to be really good. And once you find that level of consistency with him, I think he's going to be a really good player. And I think it shows you yet again that the market in Scotland can be good. You know, we've picked up some nice players under Mark Allen and under Ross Wilson, you know, like Glenn Kamara, Ryan Jack, and now Scott Wright, just to name three of them. I've come in and did really good jobs so far. And I think it's a market that we'll continue to look at because for all three of those guys, we've paid, what, like 300 grand, maybe 250 <laughs> grand. And 
really great value and it shows you there is quality in Scottish football and it might just be that some guys will fit into other team better than others. Yep. So your front three then, Wilf, um, obviously Kent in the left, Morelos up top. Who are you having out in the right? Personally, myself, I don't want to sway your vote here. Um, <laughs> but it's a re-ball, it's, it's a rebo all day long for me. Because and I'll also ask your opinion, Wilf, once you give me who you're going to play, give me your opinion on this. A rebo for me does not play in that midfield three. I just do not think he's effective at all at it. He's got to be played further up the pitch. I can't believe I'm going to agree with you, Martin. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> up the pod. That's it. Chuck it. That's it. That's me. Over. Thanks for joining us, guys. Really appreciate. It. Yeah. <laughs> See you next season. See you next season. Uh, <laughs> here's, a, here's another revelation for you. Oh. We are going to win this league title. Oh. Oh. Well. For you. Have you? Are you still teetotal, Well. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> yep. Right, so who's 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 your front front three for Livingston? You've, you've just named them. Oh, oh. You, you agree with me on that? I know. I thought you would agree with me with just a rebo, doesn't he play in the centre of the park? Well, he doesn't, but I think he'll. I think, and because he doesn't play in the centre of the park, I think he, I expect him to start on Wednesday. Is that is that a bit unfair, Derek on Hadji? I suppose. Aye, as I don't want to say stuff. I think Hadji could feel. Annoyed at missing the team on Wednesday night, but Hadji will play a big part in Europe for me um, in the next couple of weeks, and also yeah. could feature against Celtic as well at Parkhead with a hope for the space and that we'll get it there as well because they are hopeless at the back, and I think Hadji can really exploit that. So yes, he can be annoyed, but he'll play a massive part for now at the end of the season. Okay, also finishing off, then William, give me your prediction and first goal scorer because I'm still waiting on one of us to get it right. It's very Wolf. He scored it right a few times this season. I've got no, I don't think so. Oh, aye, aye. I've scored it right a couple of times when I've been doing the pods. No, I don't think so. Um, I'll go for a two and off in Rangers win mm-hmm. and the Buffalo for the first goal. Okay. Wolf? I'll go for a three nothing Rangers win and Conor Goldson for the first goal. Oh, that's a good That's a good show. Derek? I was going to say the exact same as William, so I'm going to change it because he's always rang. <laughs> I'm going to go 3 1 Rangers and Borna Barisic with a penalty. There you go. I like it. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who scores for them? Gavin Riley. <laughs> Gavin Riley. I must admit, the only player I know is Marvin Bartley, so that's who I'm going to say. Man, put a pound on all three of their bets and it's the Christmas kitty. Uh, well, the, yes. Christmas, the Christmas kit is in minus right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, gents, that will do us. Um, thank you very much for coming on. Remember, the podcast, of course, is sponsored by our friends at Manscaped. So you enter the code Rabble at checkout. You're helping support us, the podcast, but you're also helping support the club we all love. So, William, Wilf, Derek, gents, thank you very much. Thank you for everybody listening. And we shall speak to you again very, very soon. Cheers. <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.